that producer ran into Sean Connery and said, I should have just given you the million. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gold Diamonds in Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your Jebelo host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for All Things Under the CinemaSins brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he's the co-founder of CinemaSins. Uh, he co-hosts the weekly podcast, Wreckatopia. And uh, he's also one of my good friends. And um, he loves, loves, loves this movie we're about to talk about. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, we'll get into it. But I may well, like. I, I should say your name. This is uh, Chris Atkinson. <laughs> yes, yes, present. Uh, I uh, I will have probably more positive things to say about this movie than you think. Man, I didn't. I I, I, I didn't hate watching it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll just say that. But uh, yeah, let's dig into it, man. So uh, our first segment is called Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm gonna make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions, although not this week, and give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. So yes, that is my typical intro to that segment. Uh, this is one of two movies we will for sure be reviewing throughout this podcast series that was not an Eon production. This was somebody else uh, that had rights to one of the novels, in this case, Casino Royale, because Casino Royale from 1967 is the movie we're going to talk about, and uh, made it separately from the super popular Bond series that was going on at the time. In fact, Casino Royale came out literally, uh, not literally, but right around two months before uh, You Only Live Twice, which is, mm-hmm. of course, what we'll talk about next week. And uh, did not make as money as You Only Live Twice, but but was a hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still, after watching this movie, I'm surprised. I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad. It, it, it actually kind of makes me happy that a movie like this could be a hit, though, even if you don't like it. It's still just one of those things where you're just like, what is going on? Like, this mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. I don't, it would be like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know a comparison. Uh, it's not like we haven't had weird movies uh, be hits. But uh, as we mentioned in the Dr. No episode, our very first episode, uh, Casino Royale was technically the first adaptation um, because there was an episode of a CBS series called Climax. Uh, it was their second or third episode, maybe. If you go back and listen to Dr. No episode, there's more details about it. But it was just an episode of an anthology series that CBS was trying to get off the ground. And so this was one of the stories that they adapted. And they had, um, I think, an American playing James Bond, and he's not very, yeah. very James I, Bondy. It's, uh, it's Barry. Hold on one second. I didn't write him down. I did write that Peter Lorre. I know Peter Lorre played Lashif. Mm. Uh, Makes although, total sense. That name gets called two different things in this movie. Somebody says Lashif, and then somebody else says like Lashifra or something. And else. and I am I'm a, I'm there are two things I'm certain about on this. <laughs> either. <laughs> Either they never came up with a proper uh, uh, way to say it, and everybody just said it the way they wanted to, or they did that as a joke, as you know, as a as a thing. So like you know, so that it, nobody ever knows what to say because they are. There's a lot of talk in here about whether he even exists and he yes. blah 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 and stuff like that. So uh, so Casino Royale was the third episode for climax in season one. Uh, they did adaptations of The Long Goodbye and The Thirteenth Chair before that. 
and um, Barry Nelson. Barry Nelson was who played James uh, Bond. Okay. Uh, yes, and he is he is very American. Although these are different producers, so that episode airs climax, and then I guess that was the only rights that that producer had. So then, um, Gregory Ratoff, uh, this guy, he purchases the rights uh, in ni- March of nineteen fifty five for a Casino Royale. At this point, I think that was the only book that was even a, you know a possibility. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he'd release one other. I didn't write that down, but I know that was right around the time when it came out. Uh, he purchases the rights for six thousand dollars, which still seems even today that would be about sixty. That seems mm-hmm. pretty reasonable, yeah. uh, considering what people pay for stuff today. I, I can't even imagine what MGM paid for it in '99. I didn't look that up, but uh, Ratoff hires uh, Lorenzo Simple Jr. We might have talked about him in the Doctor No. The thing I know most about him is that he wrote uh, the 1966 Batman movie. Okay, and. Uh, that's one of those things that I've really... Well, he's written other stuff, too, but that's the one I always think about because, like, that's an interesting movie because even though it's it's super silly, totally see why people hate it, but what I like about it is, like, there's fucking jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. I mean, there's actual, like, jokes in it. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a really... It's a pretty... It's kind of a brilliant comedy script. I think maybe the acting, the some of the acting, maybe some of the production value, stuff like that kind of takes it down a bit, but the script is really good. Mm-hmm. Three Days of the Condor is probably the other movie that he's uh, he's known for. He also write, he also wrote Never Say Never Again, which is the other the mm-hmm. other Bond film uh, that we'll talk about in the future that was not Eon Productions. He wrote Flash Gordon. So he's had a you know interesting career as a screenplay writer. Uh, neither Simple nor Ratoff liked the character of Bond, though. That they both did not like that character. So they were thinking about, well, this script never got written, but Simple Jr. in an interview said that Ratoff came to him and said he wanted to cast, I think it was Susan Hayward. Yeah, he wanted to cast Susan Hayward as Jane Bond okay. and make it a female, which is interesting because this is something that's even being talked about up to today. Mm-hmm. You know, could there ever be a female Bond? Yep. Uh, and we might have had one in 1967, uh, which is interesting, mm-hmm. or or earlier. Uh so there was also, a, which I'll get into that in a second, there was another draft, but I don't think Simple Jr. wrote this draft, but there was another draft at one point where Bond's not even in the movie, hmm. um, which, is, which is bizarre. So the pitch that Ratoff and his producing partner, Michael Garrison, set up was rejected by 20th Century Fox. Uh, and this was a more serious take on the material. This was a, more of a, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this. Yeah. Uh, so Ratoff dies not too long after this. He died in 1960. So then comes in Charles K. Feldman. Uh, he requires the rights to Casino Royale in 1960 from the widow of Ratoff. And Albert Broccoli offered Feldman money to own the rights to Casino Royale, but Feldman turned down the offer. Uh, one of Feldman's good friends, Howard Hawks, they started working together on getting a film up and running. Uh, they considered Lee Brackett. She was an early, like, really good female screenplay writer that actually, uh, you know, was known. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she wrote Rio Bravo, The Big Sleep, The Long Goodbye. I mean, just great fucking movies. Uh, and they were wanting to get Cary Grant to play Bond. Okay. Uh, which I think we mentioned in Dr. No. I think we mentioned he was yep. one of the early possibilities. Popular choice for that, yeah. yeah. Which I guess I kind of see it. Like, if you watch North by Northwest, I can kind of, even though that's funny because you're kind of taking away from North by Northwest uh, the totally opposite of what it's saying because he's actually not a spy in that. Mm-hmm. But... He is very debonair. He looks good in a suit. So I, I, I mean, I get it. But in 1964, man, uh, 1964, man, what the hell am I talking about? In 1964, uh, Feldman attempted to get the movie made. He approached Broccoli uh, and Harry Saltzman, who at this point had already made Dr. No, and I guess from Russia with Love, or they mm-hmm. were in the middle of whatever. 
uh, he approaches them and tries to get them to come in with him uh, because he wanted it after they made the movies with Connery. A, he wanted Connery, but B, he also didn't think he could compete if he took the serious approach with it. Yeah, because they had already kind of established that. Uh, which is kind of funny to call the Eon Productions one serious, but yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. more serious than this. Sure. Uh, they decide, they're like, no, we've got enough shit to deal with. We don't need your book, you know, and yeah. so your one book. And so they just went ahead and they went off and made, you know, Goldfinger and so on and so forth. And so he decided to make it a, a parody mm-hmm. because because he couldn't compete. Uh, he was just going to make a parody, more of a satire spoof. Uh, which is interesting to me because when this movie starts production, there's maybe been four Bond films, mm-hmm. and the idea that they went ahead <laughs> and made a parody of something, and it's not like there was other films like Bond, like those come later, but like Bond was a completely different type of spy film than what was being made. So it's just kind of weird that like they made a parody of something that was like it's almost the equivalent of like those guys that made like date movie and epic movie and stuff yeah. where they got to the point where they were making parodies of trailers mm-hmm. because the movies themselves hadn't come out yet. Yeah. So they were making parodies of scenes that we only saw in trailers. It was mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah. Uh, not quite that crazy and these this movie's way better than the couple of their movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you remember their names? I hate just yeah. Stop. It's it's uh, Friedberg and Seltzer are the last Friedberg names. and Seltzer, like Aaron Friedberg and uh, Aaron Seltzer. Yeah, yes, Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. Yeah, they co-wrote Scary Movie, I think, and they then they kind of went of off on their own. And, and but that was that was the first one was clearly a Wayans like yes. production, and then and then then they went on and did their own stuff like Date Movie and uh, Epic Movie and things like it that. It makes you. Makes you really appreciate the Waynes family. Yep, uh, yep. Well, and then there's a, there's a, I mean, this is a super tangent, but they also, the way the Wayans believe that after Scary Movie 2, that franchise was just stolen from them because they didn't oh, do, yeah. they didn't do anything past part two. And um, they were basically just, they were just ripped from them after that. They didn't get to do any of the other ones. I mean, don't give away our Scary Movie franchise reviews, our, our next podcast following this. Yep, but, yep. They're already uh, in the can though, so. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, you're right. Because I even remember like Marlon or Sean did an interview, like, and they said they were working on Scary Movie three, mm-hmm. and it was good, but it was going to take a different direction, and it was going to be a parody of like fantasy movies mm-hmm. because at that time, like Lord of the Rings and all that stuff, yeah. and like Harry Potter, uh, and then that just never happened. So yeah. obviously, they they decided to go a different direction, and then well, and then, then Freeberg uh, and Seltzer did Epic yeah. Movie. So I mean, it's... yeah. <laughs> Anyways, to get back to Bond, <laughs> yep. Uh, a few things about Charles K. Feldman, I just was reading about him. It was kind of interesting. He earned his law degree at USC and he started working uh, as a lawyer for talent agencies. And in 1932, he decided to actually become a talent agent and he formed his own agency with Adeline Schulberg and uh, Charles Boyer, who uh, I always think of Gaslight uh, mm-hmm. as like kind of the, I, Charles Boyer's an awesome actor. Yep. He's also in Casino Royale that we're talking about. He plays Legrand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, him and Joan Bennett, uh, were two of the first uh, stars that they got as clients. Joan Bennett is a classic film star. That's probably what most people that know her probably know her from that. Like the she was in the original Father of the Bride in the sequel. I think she was the daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive about that. Uh, but she was with uh, Spencer Tracy in the 50s. 
Um, but I always remember her in a couple of roles. Uh, she played Elizabeth Collins on Dark Shadows, the the soap opera, mm-hmm. and she was uh, Madame Blanc in the original Suspira. That was her actually her last role. Mm. So, but anyways, those were a couple of the people that were that were her their clients. Uh, he started a bunch of stuff that would because right now in the well when he became a talent agent in the 30s, the studio system was a big deal, and that studios were taking actors. They would sign them to like 10-year contracts or whatever. And it was kind of one of those things where actors were getting screwed out of a lot of money or they were just being shelved because the studio had a different actor. They didn't want to be in competition with this one. So you had a lot of a lot of shady stuff going on. So uh, Feldman was one of the first people to actually got studios to sign one-picture deals with the clients. Mm-hmm. And then they could go work with multiple studios. So this was kind of one of the first instances where stuff like that happened. Uh, he would also bundle stars together and sell them to a picture as one unit, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And then he would also buy story ideas himself, and then he would con- he would get unemployed writers to write screenplays. And then if it struck his fancy, he would go ahead and try to sell that along with the actors. So he was kind of an interesting—he was, he was changing the way talent agencies uh, were starting to work. So I thought that was cool. 1942, he was working with the likes of John Wayne, Marlene Dietrich, and Randolph Scott. Uh, he was also the one who suggested that Howard Hawks' Big Sleep be recut. Uh, if you've ever read, I'm not going to get into all that, but if you read about the production of the the original Big Sleep uh, from the 40s, uh, it's pretty fascinating, like what all went into that. And it ended up being a great movie. It's Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. And apparently Lauren Bacall just had a much smaller role in it, which she doesn't have a very big role in the book either, the, mm-hmm. the uh, Raymond Chandler novel that it's based on. Mm-hmm. But um, they added a lot with her. I mean, they had... Ridiculous chemistry, which obviously they uh, that ended up with them being married and everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some other movies Feldman produced: Streetcar Named Desire, uh, Seven Year Itch, Heaven Knows, Mister Allison, which Deborah Kerr was in, and she's also in uh, Casino Royale. Uh, but then he died on May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty eight, of pancreatic cancer, which I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Hecht is an is a name I kept coming across. The continuity of like when these drafts were done and who was writing which one for some reason has kind of been lost, uh, from what I could tell. But Ben Hecht was a name that kept popping up on some drafts. Uh, how much influence he had on some of this stuff, people don't know. But they did say his drafts were they were more in line with the novel. Like they were more, they were a little more serious and they, and even with the comedy aspect, I think they followed the plot of the novel a Mm -hmm. lot more. And then Heck's final draft reportedly, if it was Helm, this was the one that didn't even have James Bond in it. He was replaced by a poker playing American gangster, which is interesting because the 2006 Casino Royale uh, has the, the game that they play poker, Mm -hmm. which in the book it's Baccarat. Mm -hmm. And in this movie it's, it's Baccarat. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've ever played, I mean, poker's not the most interesting thing to film either, but if you've ever played Baccarat, I mean, Baccarat would, I, I well, I mean, we got to see a Baccarat tournament uh, in this movie for at least a little bit. Yep. Although I think if it was a serious version, it would have been played a lot differently. It uh, would have a later been. draft, a later draft had, and I feel like, I, I want to, I couldn't tell, I couldn't find out if Wells, if Wells was already on the movie at this point, because this sounds like something he would have fucking said to do. Mm-hmm. But a later draft had Lashif as a head of a network of brothels. <laughs> and he was blackmailing high-ranking clients to help fund Spectre, which is another interesting thing. So it was Spectre. Uh, they had already used the Spectre name in this script, mm-hmm. even though in the novels at this point, it's Smirsh. Mm-hmm. And in the final version of this film, it's Smirsh. Mm-hmm. It's not Spectre. Um, 
I couldn't really tell if all of them were supposed to be Russian, though, because I don't think the movie cared enough to let I don't us know. I think it does. Uh, Heck dies from a heart attack in 64. He had just finished his most recent draft and was going to turn it into Feldman, but he never got the chance. Uh, Joseph Heller comes on the project. He is, of course, a famous novelist. He wrote Catch-22. He worked on a few weeks in 65. Uh, Heller would go on at a later date to write an essay entitled How I Found James Bond, Lost My Self-Respect, and Almost Made $150,000 in My Spare Time. (laughs) Script is then rewritten by Billy fucking Wilder, uh, which is is fascinating. Uh, By the time the film reached production, the only part of Hex, original idea, if it was Hex, is that there was the idea of there being several Bonds, mm-hmm. several James Bond characters. However, in Hex version, there are other Bonds because the real James Bond has died, which mm-hmm. I guess has to do with the poker player and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The tagline for this movie, Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond, and that's because there's several characters uh, playing people pretending to be Bond. Although I think the movie gets very confusing on this for <laughs> in a few places. Yep. But David Niven is Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody else is uh, is pretending to be for whatever reason. Yep. I mean, either it's because of them or, you know, they're just, There's I don't know. even a person playing Bond who, unless I just completely dozed off and didn't realize it, there's a person who plays Bond in here who basically disappears from the rest of the movie after he is introduced. and He's still in it a little bit, but... The character yeah, is that was the, the was one that Peter Sellers. No, the well oh. Peter Sellers. Obviously, you get into Peter Sellers later. Yeah. But like, um, but the, the the one guy that they train to be like, oh, uh, yeah, like like, so that women can't seduce him and everything. That guy doesn't really do much, does he? After they train no, him, no, he he doesn't. That's Terrence Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you talking? So he's the one that ends up like, because. Uh, there's that scene where Money Penny is like flirting with them yeah. to try to figure out which one's going to be. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. And then they, and end then up they train him. They train him so that Cooper. he so that women throw himself throw yeah. themselves at him, yeah. and he and he's and he turns them down. But then he doesn't do much after that. I don't think he even does anything really no. after that. And I, I, yeah, this. I mean, this whole thing's a mess for, and we'll get sure. into why. But uh, the other people playing the fake bonds, Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers was actually originally. I don't know if he was offered the role, but it was possible he was actually just going to be Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, Ursula Andress, uh, who is one of many people that are in several Bond films in this movie, but Ursula Andress, of course, Honey Rider in the first Doctor No, and in this she's playing um, uh, Vesper Lind. Vesper Lind, the name just escaped me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Write down, yep. which uh, of course Eva Green. It's Eva Green, right? Not Ava. It's Eva. It, Eva I, Green. Maybe I don't makes... know. I think oh. sometimes it's it, sometimes I hear it as Ava, and sometimes I hear it as Eva, well, and and it's and, almost like it's Eva, like they're not like it's not like a full on A, yeah, like Ava. I've I've, I've gone back and forth. I don't think yeah. anybody cares. Eva Green, who we all love uh, mm-hmm. here at here at Cinema Sense, uh, she, I mean, she might be like I hate using the term Bond girl, but I don't know how else to say it because that's what everybody says. She might be the best Bond girl. Yeah, uh, when all is said and done, she's in that conversation. Yeah, uh, I think so. So it's really weird seeing Ursula Andress play the same character after mm. you've seen that because mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever watched this movie. Yeah. Uh, I liked Ursula Andress, though. I will say one thing about this movie. I thought Ursula Andress was better in this movie she's, than she was Doctor She's no. better in this than she is in, yeah, for sure, because and she's given more to do. Let's get, let's, yes. let's put that yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. She's given more to do, and I think there's some scenes, too, where I'm surprised that she's, 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm totally surprised she's playing so many things so straight faced, or if she's yeah. like, maybe she just. I don't know. I'd love to hear what her thoughts are on this movie. Yeah. Like what she was thinking during this movie. Like, did she think she was making something serious, or did she know for a fact that this was like something like yeah. just goofball? Like it wasn't like like the rumor about George C. Scott and Dr. Strangelove and everything was that he, <laughs> he was playing that straight the whole time. He thought it was a real, like a straight movie. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting because that was one thing Sellers was trying to do. Apparently yeah. Peter Sellers was trying to make this a straight film, which, I, which is fascinating. But I will say real quick, the other people that played the fake bonds, we already mentioned Sellers. We already mentioned Andrus, uh, Barbara Boucher, who is somebody I love just from watching like sixties Italian, uh, like giallos and crime films. She's mm-hmm. in a ton of those. Uh, Joanna uh, Petit, uh, Terrence Cooper, and who we just mentioned, uh, Dolly and Dahlia Lavi. So those are your people all playing the different Bond characters. And then Woody Allen plays, was it Bond's cousin? Yeah, it's his nephew, I believe. And his name is Jimmy Bond. Yeah, yeah he's playing Jimmy Bond in this. God, uh, we'll, we can talk about Woody Allen when we get to the main review, but mm-hmm. that, was, that was strange. Uh, yeah. Sean Connery was approached to play Bond in this film. Uh, he said he would only do it for $1 million, which I thought was funny because I couldn't find if there was a connection, but I just that made me think of Austin Powers immediately. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. $1 million. Well, you know? and also apparently after the production of this movie, that, that producer uh, ran into Sean Connery and said, I should have just given you the million. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't read that that's mm-hmm. awesome yeah uh yeah which i don't even know how much he wanted to do it i think it almost makes me wonder if he said that. i mean i'm sure he would have done it for that amount of money but i i have a feeling he knew they wouldn't ask him to do it after yeah. he said that um terrence cooper was also considered who we just talked about uh he ends up playing one of the fake bonds mm-hmm. and then peter sellers was considered to play the actual bond uh he he did well i did i did write down he turned that down so uh, there were another reason this movie is crazy. There's five directors. Yep. Um, and I still, even mapping out like what all they filmed, it still made very little sense. Val Guest, uh, John Houston's the big name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also plays Elm for a, a little bit and it's yep. really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's his fault though. Uh, Joseph McGrath, Robert Parrish, and Richard Talmadge. Uh, Guest and Houston were the only two I'd ever heard of before this. But uh, yeah. uh, Peter Sellers caused some problems, as uh, we had. I heard, yeah. Uh, he didn't get along with Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like I, I saw multiple versions of stories about this, but yeah. there were things that said he was intimidated by Wells, like being in a scene with him. But I then there know. were also things that well, Wells, for instance, added... Like he, this is why I said, I wonder if that Lashif with the brothels was something he came up with because like there is, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, Wells plays Lashif who Mads Milkison plays in mm-hmm. uh, Casino Royale. If you're familiar with that, Peter Laurie played him in the original, but, um, Wells also the, the character of Lashif in this, he's a really good Baccarat player, but he's also like accomplished magician apparently. <laughs> yeah. And so he does magic tricks at the Baccarat table. Mm-hmm. That was all Wells. Wells he, want Wells forced them into letting him do that from what I read. Mm-hmm. And that was one of many things that I think Peter Sellers is just like, fuck this guy. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it was, it almost feels Brando too. Like it almost feels like Marlon yeah. Brando and Val Kilmer bullying people on Island also... Dr. Moreau. There was also some story about like uh, he was friends with what Princess Margaret or something like yes. that. Yes, I wrote that down too. Yes. Oh, okay. Go ahead and tell it. Oh no, you can say it. Uh, I mean, it's, apparently she shows up on set. She's Queen Elizabeth's yes. sister, I believe. Yes. And uh, and she and Sellers knew her mm-hmm. apparently, 
but she like once she got on set she went right past him to go yeah. greet orson wells yeah. and that was Which... another another big bone of contention apparently and to the point that apparently i don't know if you ran across this Apparently, they didn't even shoot at the same time during that scene. I, I saw there were there were rumors of that. I, I couldn't find anything that said that actually happened, but yeah. there were different set stories from different people. But yeah, I'm I, sure and, it did and, happen. And, and, well, and that's not like that's never been done before. So well, I mean, they wouldn't have to be in the same scene together, no. I don't think, because cause, or they wouldn't have to be on the stage together no, because they go back and forth. Just go back so, and forth. They never and really show the them table. in one shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, he the Prince Sparker thing I thought was interesting. But I was also thinking, like, well, maybe because she knew him, she was like, well, I'm going to go introduce myself to Wells because I've never met him. Yeah, but, <laughs> but when you're an egomaniac, you know, yeah. I, I I think that's what happens, right? Like, you know, like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm important, too. You I've know. never been able, I, I guess, I mean, Sellers obviously was a movie star, but, like, when you look at his filmography... I don't know if it's just there's not, I don't know if it's kind of a Jerry Lewis thing where there's just not a lot of stuff that is held up for that or not a lot of stuff that people go back and revisit. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know I, like I don't know it's weird. Peter Sellers just has a really Sellers, weird Sellers uh, yeah Sell it's interesting. Sellers like his, his for me the two movies that you go back and watch are are uh, Doctor Strange Love and Being There. Those oh, are the, absolutely. those are the two movies that absolutely. you that you must watch for Peter Sellers. The other ones he's I mean look. He's obviously a very gifted comic actor, but in yeah. this movie and what's that m mystery movie he's in uh, with Peter Falk and um, oh, I, I was going to ask you actually, I was going to ask you if you had seen that uh, Murder by Death. Murder by he Death. Play, he replays basically he plays Charlie Chan. Where he plays Charlie Chan, yes. And in this one, where he is, he's doing a lot of accents and stuff in this too, yeah. where it's like it's like oh yeah, uh, you know it. <laughs> that the that's the type of stuff that just doesn't hold up very well but the guy is there's a reason why he's he's considered a legend absolutely when Pink he's Panther on and all that yeah yeah when he's on there are very few people that can touch him it's it's kind of like it's almost like jim carrey i mm -hmm. think that's kind of a decent comparison i think they're very different approaches to comedy but you know but yeah you're right i i was gonna say i would throw pink panther at least the first and second one, which there's Pink Panther and they're shot in the dark. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Strange Love, being there is outstanding. Like being mm -hmm. there is being there oh is, is amazing. That was his last, I guess, great role, and it was one of his last mm -hmm. roles. Well, yeah, because he because he didn't yeah. Yeah, he died pretty soon after that. It was early. He he was dead because they released that one Pink Panther movie in like '82 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just unused footage of previous mm -hmm. films when mm -hmm. he's in it because he was dead. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's weird. Uh, uh, Trail of the Pink Panther, maybe. I don't know. Uh, they actually made a couple of Pink Panther movies after he died. And, well, they made Son of the Pink Panther, but I mean, they made a couple pretty quickly after he died, mm -hmm. uh, like in the 80s. But uh, he would also, he would be absent for days at a time, and he actually left the production before all of his scenes had been shot. Uh, they they had to they had to throw some stuff in to help out with that. There's a framing device at the beginning and the end with David Niven that wasn't in the script originally, so they threw that in. Um, and then there's other scenes where they just had to cut around him. Yeah. Uh, but, but there's, but that actually, when you hear that, some stuff makes sense. Like, uh, we never see him get captured by Smursh, Yeah. but we see him get in the cab. He says, follow Ursula Andrus or whatever. And then the next scene of him, he's being tortured. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they some hadn't really, the in yeah, it's yeah. some really calm, like over the top yeah. comic shot of him getting in a car and yeah. and like and then follow him or whatever, and then it's like he's yeah. being tortured. Next shot, 
Yeah, um, and 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 that's all they couldn't because they hadn't filmed the in between. This is also apparent. I can't. I didn't see this myself in the movie. I didn't know who the character was anyway, or the person was anyway. Mm-hmm. But he says, "Follow that car," and the guy run starts running after the car or whatever. <laughs> And apparently that was like a, a, a world champion race car driver or something yes, that does that. Um, yeah. Hold on. What's his, I have his, I actually have him in here cause he was a cameo. Uh, it was um, Sterling Moss. He was Sterling a British Moss. formula one racing driver. Mm-hmm. He has an uncredited role. Watch, watch Sterling Moss be like one of the guys <laughs> who was in Ford V Ferrari. And we just, you know, just completely blanked oh, on his no, name. I don't, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm he was just saying, watch point. it be oh, something know. like that. You know? Yeah. I'll, I'll admit I have no knowledge of racing. So yeah. if, if somebody wants to, after they've heard this episode, if they want to like educate me, I'm more than happy to be, cause I don't know anything. Uh, Peter O'Toole is also, he has an uncredited role and mm-hmm. the, the He's in one of those scenes like where they're he's like playing bagpipes or something in heaven. Or maybe yep. he's not the one playing bagpipes, but he's in that weird. He's in scene. that yeah, he's in that dream like sequence, yeah. yeah, with all the people yeah. wondering, yeah. And uh it, it's it's reported that he took a case of champagne instead of getting paid money, is mm-hmm. what I read. Yep. Uh Angelica Houston, uh her dad, of course, is one of the directors. Uh we only see her hands, yep. but this is technically her her big screen debut. Yeah, yeah. Uh Agent Mimi's hands. Uh, yes. They used Angelica Houston's instead. Uh, also, the first theatrical appearance of David Prowse, uh, who most yeah. people know as Dar- Dark Vader. Frankenstein, yeah. Yeah, and apparently, I forgot to write it down, but I read somewhere they uh, he was in there as a different character when he got cast, and then they changed it to this Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. I, I don't Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's yeah, yeah, going on. yeah. We want to make that clear. He doesn't play Frankenstein. He plays no. Frankenstein's monster in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god if there's if there's not a more annoying like correction i mean that's like it's yeah. got to be the worst it, it is when people say that it's like yeah i fucking know yeah shut yeah, up exactly <laughs> um so uh oh and then there's also i will go back to sellers real quick the other thing i wanted to mention which i kind of mentioned earlier there was rumors that he was really wanting to to even though it was a comedy he wanted to take the role very seriously Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would rewrite or improvise dialogue to kind of try to get it to go in that direction. Um, and oddly enough, though, his scenes and his scenes with Wells are the closest to anything that they actually technically took from the novel. Yeah. Um, even though it's completely different. Uh, other interesting actors. There's a ton of people in this movie. Uh, the famous French actor uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo. Uh, he yep. was in this. He he just passed he was, away. Uh, yeah, just recently. He's yeah. in uh, Breathless. He's the main guy yep. in Breathless. Yep. And, that's uh, his. That's probably his most well known. I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. Though. He's Maybe in a million he's, things. He was in a movie the, the uh, pre Luke Besson, The Professional, which has nothing to do with Leon yeah. the Professional. That oh, that man. movie is really good. Um, it is. Uh, Pierre um, Lafau is really good. Um, mm-hmm. He was also married to Ursula Andress. Uh, mm-hmm. From sixty-five to seventy-two, uh, that that that's a hot couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bet they, I bet they had a fun seven years. I bet. Uh, I, ho- I hope they did. I probably just said that. There's probably some horrible story out there about something that probably. happened. Probably. Orson Welles, we've already talked about. He plays Lashif, uh, which is the character that Mads Mikkelsen plays in uh, the two thousand six adaptation. Uh, many actors who have appeared in other Bond films were in this one as well. Um, and because at first I was actually trying to figure this out because I was thinking when I saw Ursula Andress, I was like, she's like only one of a couple people that I remember doing this, at least on a significant role. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh my God, I just forgot her name. Um, 
What is her name from? What are we trying to figure out? I'll, uh, let me just look. Oh, Maud Adams. Maud Adams was another one. She was in, she's an octopusy. And then mm-hmm. she's also in the man with the golden gun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then, uh, who played Mitchell? Oh, Joe Don Baker. <laughs> Joe Don Baker is in, um, he's a bad guy in Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. And then he's, uh, he's like, he's in a couple of the Brosnan films. Yep. Where he's kind of like a Felix Leiter. Kind of, uh, yep. Which then I started thinking, is there, is Felix Leiter not in the Brosnan films? Because I thought about that Joe Don Baker role, and then I was like. I don't remember a Felix yeah, Leiter. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Uh, and maybe that was one of those weird ones they didn't have, they didn't have the rights to. Well, no, they could, they had to have, because he's in those, he's in the Dalton movies. I don't know. Oh, you know what? Maybe he gets killed in one of the Dalton movies. He does. Well, no, in the Dalton movie, he gets nearly gets killed, and then he shows up at the end, doesn't he? In License to Kill. I, know, I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. It's been a minute since I've watched it, yeah. but because he's uh, the one that gets like attacked by the sharks or whatever. He right? does. He does. But the, but then, I think he does like, live. He, I think he right. lives. I think, or 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 maybe it's his wife that lives. That that maybe somebody lives in that movie yeah. that shouldn't, and well, I can't remember it was. And maybe Look Felix to this dies. conversation in like 13 weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen that one several times. I just can't remember. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's escaping me right now. Anyways, the so Ursula Andress is one. She was Honey Rider, Dr. No. Uh, Vladek Shabel, who played Lashif's representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Kronstein uh, in oh, For Russia With Love. Kronstein. Yeah. Uh, Bert Kwok, the Chinese general in this movie, he was Mr. Ling in Goldfinger. Oh, okay. Uh, and he was also in you. He's also going to be in You Only Live Twice. Yep. Uh, Jean Roland, who plays the captain of the guards, she plays a masseuse in You Only Live Twice, or maybe that's a he. I didn't look. I guess it is a he. Angela Scular, uh, she plays Buttercup. Uh, she's also in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Uh, Jack Gwillem, uh, he plays a royal. He he plays an army officer in this movie. He plays a navy officer in Thunderball. Uh, Carolyn Monroe, who I did not see, but she's apparently one of Doctor Noah's guards, and it's real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's the main. She's the main uh, female lead in um, uh, Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw she appeared. It was an artistic, or maybe it was a picture, but one of the book releases of uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, she's one of like five or six women on the cover of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milton Reed, uh, he was a temple guard in this. He was also in Dr. No, also played a guard. And he's in <laughs> The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, John Hollis, who plays a temple priest. Uh, he was the unnamed figure who is clearly supposed to be Blofeld. I can't wait to have to talk about this fucking scene. And for your eyes only. It's like the mm-hmm. most ridiculous shit. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that he goes up the like the the chimney stack or whatever? Do you does any I, of that ring a bell? Oh god, I, don't I can't remember wait. any of that. It's almost as good as like the car jump in the Man with the Golden Gun, mm-hmm. but not quite. Uh, and then a couple more. John Wells plays Q's assistant. He played Dennis Thatcher in Fear Your Eyes Only. And this guy Hal Hal Galili, uh, he played one of the gangsters in Goldfinger. Also, one mm-hmm. of the at the scene where hey, Mister Goldfinger, we gotta go. You know. Yeah. All right, uh, this is pretty much it for behind the scenes. Uh, you already mentioned Sterling Moss. We already talked about all that. Uh, Burt Bacharach does the does the score and the music in this. Yep. Uh, his song, The Look of Love, uh, which is performed by Dusty Springfield, it was nominated for an Academy Award for the following year for Best Original Song. They must mm-hmm. have not had a lot of songs to nominate that year. Yeah. Uh, original budget was $6 million, <laughs> which yeah, I thought crazy. was crazy. That became $12 billion. It doubled because of all the complications. Uh, by comparison, 
Thunderball was made on a 5.5 million budget, mm-hmm. and You Only Live Twice, which comes out a couple months later, was 9.5 million. Uh, some people in the industry refer to it as a runaway mini Cleopatra. Uh, if people aren't familiar, Cleopatra was a big production with Elizabeth Taylor, and uh, which also ended up actually making money, but I don't mm-hmm. know that it was super profitable. Uh, this film was originally supposed to be released Christmas Day in 1966, but it was postponed to April of 67, which put it like two months before You Only Live Twice. Despite all this craziness, it was a hit. It was 13th at the box office that year. It made $22.7 million in the U.S., which, according to this, would have been the equal to $184 million in 2021. Mm-hmm. But once again, like we said on the last episode, th- mm-hmm. this movie would not make $184 million. If no, it, was released it would probably make $22 million today. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, uh, there were no advanced press screenings for the film. Uh, that's usually a good sign. Uh, so it got mostly negative reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert called it possibly the most indulgent film ever made, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was kind of funny. Um, so yeah, so that's just kind of some of the craziness that was going on behind the scenes um, that I could find. But let's get into what which we've already given some of this away. But let's get into what we actually think of it uh, in a segment we like to call a review to a kill. Mm-hmm. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. So this is just a section. We're going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we're discussing this week. And this week, as we've been talking about this whole time, but in case you just fast forwarded for some reason, uh, we are talking about 1967 Casino Royale. Um, uh, was this the first time you had seen this, Chris? Yep. Me too. Yep. First time. First time ever seeing this movie. <laughs> um, um, there are moments in this. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to the positive first. No, that's fine. Um, uh, I, I think this is one of these movies that the actors are doing exactly what they need to do for this movie. Mm-hmm. It is dry as hell uh, when they are talking about outrageous things throughout this thing. It mm-hmm. goes, it's so dry, it can go past you a lot of times. That's how, because there's a point, like, they'll show something ridiculous like Orson Welles doing magic during this Baccarat <laughs> thing or whatever. And then and then it goes back to the room where they're watching him and everything, and he's like, uh Le is uh is is dominating at the baccarat table and he's and he's uh he's mesmerizing with his magic in between in between hands or whatever and he they just go on they don't talk about how crazy that is they just go just move on he makes a woman disappear like yeah she like he like he like lifts her, he elevates her or whatever in the air levitates yeah. she and levitates. then later on we see like i think a, a a trough full of people in it or something like above him <laughs> that he's yeah. been keeping them in the whole time it's um, crazy it's so insane there is a scene in here uh there's a whole sequence of shots in here that i love actually it's during the joanna pettit uh who's playing matabon or matabond uh who's who's which is matihari yeah matihari and james bond having a kid together and they apparently uh gave her up for an adoption at three months old or something and now she's living in this giant castle with a bunch of dancers and shit anyway um (laughs) um uh uh, mata bond has this whole like 
scene at the at a dance academy thing mm-hmm. and the sets and the shots during that are amazing during it like yeah. she walks in there's like this it's like all this german impressionistic shit going on yeah uh in the movie and there's even like a moment where like like uh is it is it her mom that's her mom right that's playing the dance instruct the dance the yeah i think think it's supposed to be yeah her mom says something to the effect of like uh like uh she, she well first she, Mata says something like we're gonna do this at the auction and she says auction i didn't say anything about an auction he's like well we were gonna do this because of lashif lashif i don't even know who that is and like you just mentioned that person and we're like lashif doesn't even know who lashif is you know it's that type of absurdity going on i love that whole scene and i love I joanna pettit who had never seen before no, i love either. her in this i don't think i had um uh, so there are scenes in there, and there's so many just moments of dry, dry humor on absurd moments that I bet if you watch this movie again, and this movie doesn't exactly invite you to watch it again, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. But if you were to watch this movie again, I bet you would pick up on a lot of things that you didn't on the first run because there's so many things. So overall... I I wasn't I didn't I didn't really super like this movie. I do think there's a lot of fun to be had. It does not work as a Bond spoof at all. Um, I don't think it doesn't. It's not a. It it doesn't like ground itself in a a story that we can like really sink our teeth into yeah. as a Bond movie because there's so many different Bonds. David Niven is employing a million different Bonds in this thing. <laughs> uh, and, and there's not a story here that's like, oh, that's so recognizably Bond or anything. So it, it doesn't work as a Bond spoof very well. Uh, it has some moments, but I don't know if you're looking for the overall rating yet, but no, um, no, keep not yet. we could, we could say that, but yeah, no, it's uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's interesting. Cause I was surprised to find out Lorenzo simple. Is it simple junior? Isn't he actually credit on this? Cause when I was talking about the 1966 Batman, that's kind of how this, what this movie structure reminds me of like the, mm-hmm. just, just the bizarreness of it, you know? Yeah. But that one has a much tighter script and maybe if simple had actually written some more on this and maybe we would have gotten there. But, um, but yeah, but it's, it's a really, really just bizarre movie there's something i actually meant to mention in the behind the scenes but this just shows you how bizarre it is uh george raft plays a character yeah who comes in towards the end of it and he does this coin flip mm-hmm. and that's actually something that is paying homage to his character he was in the original scarface mm-hmm. and that's kind of a famous scene from that uh it's been a long time since i've seen it i just saw this when i was reading stuff so i don't really remember yeah. But then I do remember he does it. I didn't realize it was George Raft, I guess, because I haven't seen Some Like It Hot in forever. But he yeah. they they parody that thing in Some Like It Hot as well. And then they do it again here. Mm-hmm. And it's But it's like one of those things. How many people in like 1967 were watching this and going, oh, that's, yeah, I know yeah, the coin George flip. George Raft, totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the kind of movie I certainly this didn't. I, was, I, had, I read that in the trivia. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, but that's mm-hmm. the kind of movie this is, right? This like, it's... And it also like, but it feels like it feels like something too, where like we missed a bunch of stuff. I at one point wrote down this almost feels like if Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out before Clerks Chasing Amy and Dogma. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's just like it. It feels like it's a bunch of like in jokes and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's like stuff that we haven't had, we haven't been privy to the information that came before it. Yeah. So. It would just like if Jay and Silent Bob just showed up in two thousand one and started telling jokes. You'd be like, "Who the fuck are these guys? Mm-hmm. What are they talking about? A convenience store? Like, what? What is? Yeah. You know, that's kind of yeah. 
that's kind of how this movie is sixties as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how else to say that. I, I never have a great way to grasp it, but it's just super sixties. Like mm-hmm. this movie cannot have come out in any other decade. Um, I think that the a lot of the parody fails because I don't think there's enough available for them to parody. I mean, Bond has almost kind of started parodying himself. Yeah, uh, and even in Thunderball, there's enough, uh, and, and Goldfinger for that matter. I'd say there's enough at this point. Uh, yeah. Now, if they were setting this to come out in 1966, they do have four movies yeah. to choose from mm-hmm. at this point. That's true. To, to so, but they're doing Casino Royale because, and you, this is where I feel like you have some sort of producer ego thing where like I bought the rights to Casino Royale and we're going to make a movie called Casino Royale. <laughs> God damn it. And so they, that's what they do. And instead yeah. of, in, instead of saying, all right, well, we're, we're just making, they could have just made a bond spoof, I think. And then oh, tried yeah. to make, and then tried to make Casino Royale straight Which, up later if they wanted to. Um, absolutely. And, and I'm this, thinking like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This 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 movie right here. I mean, it, like, just don't call it Casino Royale. Just call it, you know, call it something. You can, I mean, this, this has to me the movie that kept coming up because of all the stars and and all the madcapness is it's a mad 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 yes. mad world. That's the movie that, and that movie came out like four years before this, mm-hmm. but uh, also sixties as fuck. <laughs> also very sixties as fuck, and uh, and which so, isn't like, a bad thing. No, no, no. But that movie, that's what that's what seems to inspire this movie more than anything. Yes. And I feel like they 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 could have done something else other than this. This is just something that you should have realized wasn't going to work mm-hmm. immediately. Um Well it in like Flint uh also yeah. came out this year. And oh, wow. that's and that's uh yeah, that's what I just looked up because I wanted to make sure I was right on that because I didn't James Coburn, email. right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's a movie that actually uh, Mike Myers has often said really influenced what he ended up doing with Austin Powers. In fact, I think in one of the Austin Powers movies, he's watching one of the Flint movies. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's either that one or Our Man Flint. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen in like Flint. It's been a long time, but I do remember the thing about it. I don't remember it being great, but it actually like has a story. Like there's actually like a. It's more like a spy comedy. Like it's mm-hmm. more in the vein of something like like the. Uh, Melissa McCarthy movie Spy or something mm-hmm. where th- these are actual agents, but it's just, it's a comedic situation. Like get smart or something like that, whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, not, not full on parody, but definitely, you know, paying homage and making light of some of the bond stuff. I, I think it's a much more, from what I remember, it's a much more successful version than what this is, but what this does have, like you're saying and why I don't know that it would be, I mean, we, we we'll get all through the bond films and then we'll go back and look, but I don't think it would be my least favorite just because, there are moments I quite enjoyed in this Mm -hmm. and there are, you know, I feel like, like I said, the script, there's way too many writers involved. There's way too many directors involved and it's super noticeable that there's different directors because things just look different. Mm -hmm. Um, and like David Niven is someone I love. I, he's okay in this. I, but I think a lot of that has to do with the writing. I don't think it's because of him. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like this is the type of character he could play in his sleep. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You mentioned uh, Murder by Death earlier, and he's in that. Him and Vanessa Redgrave play like the the Nick and Nora Charles. Because mm-hmm. uh, because if you haven't seen Murder by Death, anyone out there, this is a 1970s movie. Was it based on a play? I know it's written. I think by it Neil was. Simon. I think it's a Neil Simon. Yeah. But it's a you have this character played by Truman Capote, who invites all these famous detectives to a mansion, and all the detectives are clearly based on, uh, you know pop culture detectives mm-hmm. that we all know, like 
Peter Falk plays like a Sam Spade, and mm. we already said Peter Sellers plays a Charlie Chan, and that's as awful as you. Not to mention, he even has like a his son who is actually played by an Asian actor. Yeah. Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine that guy just that whole time. Like this is ridiculous. It's so <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous because that movie's so fun, except for that. Yeah. Except yeah. for that. <laughs> and and that's another great example of like I, I just feel like that, and even something like th- that could go along with the Lake Flint. I mean, I think the best parodies are the ones that they end up being a very good version of what they're also trying to make fun of. Yeah. And that's hard to do. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really hard to do. Yep. Uh, this is definitely not the worst attempt at that. No. Um, we've already talked about Friedman and Seltzer and stuff. So Friedberg I, and Seltzer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> there's God. there's another guy. Well, there's another guy named Freeman that's been floating yes. around in this. So, like, yeah, it's, it's gonna get getting confused. confused. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of my overall. I, I agree. I think there's... There, there. This is not like a complete waste of time, but mm-hmm. but it's also kind of a hard watch because when it's not good, it's really not good. Yeah, like it's... it just doesn't work. Pretty much everything with Peter Sellers kind of sucks. Like there's and even the stuff with him and Wells. I mean, the ridiculousness of the magic stuff is funny, but other mm-hmm. than that, you know, the whole scene with him, Peter Sellers, and Ursula Andress in that where Ursula and like, yes. where Vesper Lind is trying to get him to. Uh, learn how to wear different clothes or something. So he keeps popping in to new uniforms every time. Like they'll yeah. cut, they'll cut to her, and yes. then they'll cut back, and he's in some new uniform or whatever. <laughs> that whole scene like is drags quite a bit. Like, yes. uh, like yeah. it's not nearly as funny as it could be. Um, and including a moment where Sellers plays full on Hitler for some reason, yeah, yeah, which comes out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of scenes in this where he's just, it's just you know, you can see the the conflict of him trying to play that seriously, yeah, and then him him being told that he has to do some jokey <laughs> stuff, uh, all throughout the 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 thing. So yeah, the Peter Seller stuff, yeah, it's pretty bad in this. Uh. And like I said, Nevin's fine. I, I, I really, I, I, I'm with you though. I kind of just enjoyed the women more. Like I think Ursula Andress has some moments in this that she doesn't mm-hmm. get to have in Doctor No, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who was the actress you already mentioned? I forgot her name. Played Jacqueline, Mata Bond. Jacqueline Patel. Patel. Yeah, I think she, she might be my favorite. Uh, yeah, she, I looked I, her up after this, yeah. and she did a lot of TV and stuff after afterwards, but not a lot of yeah. movies and everything. But. Uh, I relate Barbara Boucher too. I've always I'm a yeah. fan of hers. I mean, she's obviously she's very beautiful, but mm-hmm. um, uh, all the women in this movie are. But um, uh, they're ridiculously beautiful. All of yeah, them. they are. Mm-hmm. But Boucher, like I just I've seen her like probably like eight or nine other movies, and they're all just like I you know they're all like like I said, most of them are either giallos or crime films because mm-hmm. that's just an area that I enjoy watching stuff. So I so she pops up a lot in in some of those. Uh, she's really good. There's one which it's a giallo and they have the weirdest names, but there's a movie from, I think 71. It's called black belly of the tarantula. Mm -hmm. She's really good in that. That's a really fun murder mystery kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. Um, we didn't, we haven't talked about Woody Allen. Really? Woody Allen is in this. He plays Jimmy Bond. As we said, the nephew, it is like, it kind of reminded me of Chris rock in a spiral where I, (laughs) it felt like Woody Allen was like working on like a tight five for like, yeah, (laughs) that's a that's a well and from what i understand he was sent to london 
to shoot scenes and they put him in this expensive hotel mm -hmm. and then like he would because there were delays he was just sitting around in a, an expensive hotel <laughs> doing nothing including one moment where he decided to just leave and went back to new york uh sounds right for a while and then he you know he came back and does it. and he also had he also added a lot of ad libs and things like mm -hmm. that there are some things in this movie that are clearly woody allen they are yes, not yes they are There's not no way. written by anybody else so and, um, and that's what i meant and i yeah i if he's not i don't think i said this he's not terrible by any means and woody allen could be very funny obviously i mean mm -hmm. despite everything about him what what you may or may not think today yeah i mean there's no reason to get in all that i think right now but uh i mean obviously the man has made movies that are you know in the in the in the classic movie you know zeitgeist even today you know stuff like annie hall and this is like 10 years mm -hmm. before annie hall which is also crazy to think yeah and he looks super young like he mm -hmm. looks like he's just out of like college even or though something. i think he's like 37 or something oh, in this yeah. yeah no he definitely mm -hmm. is um, yeah but uh but yeah he's got that line it's like um he's like he's like he's like spinning off like all these like excuses he wants to give because they're about to execute him mm -hmm. and then at one point he just says what if i said i was pregnant <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's just it's the delivery of it it's because it's in the mm -hmm. middle of all these other things and then i kind of like that scene too because then he like he climbs the wall he gets away from them climbs yeah. the wall ends up in another person's execution <laughs> yeah 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 you're halfway expecting him to get shot there too know, because he's not in the movie very much Except, of course, you know, when we find out he's the surprise, you know, behind it all villain. Oh, yeah. That's another. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Noah. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Name. Noah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but he is. I For what I got out of that, he is actually his nephew, though, right? He's just he became evil on top of that, I guess. Like, yeah. Something I, to that effect. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's so bizarre. This movie, I don't and if people are listening to this that haven't watched it, like we're not doing a very good job of like, but I don't even know how to describe what's going on. I mean, Chris mentioned that David Niven, well, we should say David Niven is Bond, who's been retired for like mm -hmm. 20 years, I think yeah. is what they say, which makes sense because Niven's quite a bit and older. There's even a, there's even a part where he yeah. he goes into MI6 or MI, MI or is it MI6, MI5? He goes into MI5. I think it's MI6. Or, uh, yeah. He, whatever one of the yeah. five or six it's either one <laughs> whatever whatever works um but he goes in and he sees money penny and he's like uh, oh you haven't changed a day and she's like oh it's because i'm her daughter he's like oh you know <laughs> yeah so like um he keeps running he, he, he they, they keep reminding him of his age all the way through this uh wasn't he, he was an original uh they wanted him to be bond right uh, yeah he was one of the names i i think and i think he was even more so than like Cary grant from what i remember he mm. was he was genuinely like he was considered for the role but then mm. uh so he was born in 1910 so he was yeah. he was 50 he was like 56 probably when they filmed this mm-hmm I mean, that's pretty old. I, I, I'm i surprised that I'm not saying Bond couldn't be older, but I don't right. know. That's just I'm having a hard time buying that he would have jumped on because uh, he would have been, I guess, 50 mm -hmm. uh, when they started figuring out what they were going to do. Maybe he would have been like maybe in the 50s. Maybe he's like 48 or something. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And uh, we're talking about crap. Sorry. Uh, we're talking about, yeah, that scene with him and, and Moneypenny's daughter, which is Barbara Boucher. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we already mentioned that M is in this for a minute. Uh, played by John Houston, yeah. um, who I don't think anyone could have done anything with that little bit of a role, but man, it's for some reason, because it's John Houston, you kind of like focus on it. 
Well, and it was super <laughs> odd too. Yeah, I didn't really like. I did I, when so they they had this whole thing set up so that Bond would come back. Uh, yes, and they and the the soldiers blow up Bond's mansion or whatever. Mm-hmm. I and I may have looked down for a second. I didn't even see John Houston's character die. I just saw the toupee yeah. fly off and whatever. And then the next scene, they're going to his funeral or whatever. Yeah. they're going. He they're going to his old house, and like the only thing he's got left is his toupee or whatever. They yeah. he presents the toupee <laughs> to his quote unquote it's- wife, and this whole scene. This whole scene where it's like a bunch of women are trying to uh, like damage Bond's reputation because apparently this Bond doesn't sleep around and he's only been with one woman in his life and all this. That none of this like like lands at all. I think no. this is the Deborah Kerr part of it. Yes. Um, oh, she's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I'm like uh, they're going poor Deborah Kerr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That whole thing where they they you know it it reminded me a little bit, but not nearly as funny. As the Monty Python, the Holy Grail thing, yes. where you have uh, Sir Galahad has to like uh, has that <laughs> he's he's supposed to be virtuous and everything. Yeah. And he goes to that, that castle with all the women who want to like yes. rub him down and like like give him spankings <laughs> and stuff like that. That's oh the thing to me. That's the thing. Like that's where that should have gone, but it didn't. And because that's uh, they, like they come in to save him or whatever, right? He's like, no, no, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, oh. It's, it's, there's too much peril. It's like it's like I think I can handle the peril. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a much better, a, a much funnier movie. But I will say, the more we talk about this movie, uh, the more I'm kind of digging it. I mean, it's not good, but like it's there are it's too many watchable. sections. There are too many sections of yeah. absolutely no laughs, and then it'll go into an area where you're like, oh, this is amazing, and and this could be because there's five directors on this movie, and I I don't even get that. Like this doesn't. Like I don't even know how I I didn't I couldn't even figure out like I couldn't re, I couldn't find anything that said why they chose to do that because this isn't like an anthology. No, no you could make it that you way. Totally but it's could not, make it one, but it's it, not. It would work better as an anthology probably, if they did that. Probably, yeah. yeah. Because the thing about you know we talked about how they had to cut around Sellers because he just finally left. I mean, you've got the mm-hmm. whole thing. Ursula Andress is kind of like with him, and then he's gone for whatever reason, and then mm-hmm. now she's with Niven. Yeah, and like all that's kind of confusing. And um, there's just a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of scenes that just don't play at all. I mean, it's 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 like it's feast or famine for like the entirety of the movie. It's also too long. It's it's over two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it there's no reason for it to be over there's two a, hours. And then there's a that fight at the end where they've really they've gone over the top ridiculous, which I enjoy. But there's just, yes. it just goes on too long. It's just a. Uh, a big fight at the end where it's like Native Americans show up out of nowhere. Oh my god! And, it, it was and, like Blazing Saddles. It felt like yeah, Blazing Saddles yeah, where they does. they end it up does. on the movie set yeah. and you've got like the Busby Berkeley dancers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it yeah. reminded me of. Yeah, but much funnier version uh, mm-hmm. of that scene is mm-hmm. in Blazing Saddles. But I am wondering if Mel Brooks was like. I have a better idea for that. <laughs> I, no, seriously, this movie could be the inspiration for yeah. a lot of better movies. You never know. I, I, I think you're. I think you're probably correct. Like I said, I swear, like that, that, that million dollars thing. I, I tried to find something mentioned about that, but that is like so, like the, and that's behind the scenes. That's not in the movie, but it's just something like that. Like if that's what inspired, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. Yeah. It just, it seems hard to, you know. All right. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I mean, it's a weird movie because I, kind of, I kind of don't recommend it because it's not very good. But at the same time, if 
any of this sounds interesting, I would say watch it because you never mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this movie definitely has fans. Like I uh, said, I think I think even a second viewing. But the problem is, yeah. this movie doesn't invite second viewings. Really, no, no, not it's at all. It's just that if you were to give this a second chance, even I think you would pick up on a lot of things that yes. went past you in the first. Because there's, I, like I said, I can't I oh. can't stress enough how dry this movie is uh, when it comes to a lot of like absurd things, and that's something that really hits my wheelhouse because. I mm-hmm. think that's how you should do spoofs and parodies. It's yep. just that there are so many moments that are not funny at all that drag and everything that you have to wait through a lot of stuff to get to the good stuff. Uh, but you're, you're right though. Cause when you look at the best parodies, I mean, your, your main person is if not dry is it does not realize they're in a does parody. not acknowledge the like, humor. whatsoever. Yeah, Leslie yeah. Nelson and naked gun. Yep. Um, I if forgot look, his name I mean, from Airplane. Air Robert, Robert Hayes. Robert Hayes. If you look at all of Airplane and how all those actors, there's never once a moment yeah. where they where they kind of like give this like no. a held a head tilt or a knowing look at the camera or anything like that. Which is funny because they do do that in Top Secret, and I love that a lot. But like, like even in those all those early movies, they don't do it. And then you see even movies that David Zucker does later on. Yeah, people who. Or can people who just can't let it go. They have to let do the head tilt, or they have to like look down, like oh, what that was a weird thing I just said, or whatever, yeah. and and it just ruins a lot of the things. I don't even that, know. I don't even know what the last like really good parody was. Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> has it been that long? It it that Scary might be the last has, one. That might be the last one that's down and it's like not solid. Great. Yeah, but that's it's solid. The, it's that's the last solid. one that's solid. Like the the and, and the first scary movie is gets close. I don't think it's as good as that. Uh, even Hot Shots Part Two, but no, no, I don't either. I don't. But think it's as that's good as the that. that's the one that gets closest, I think. And then everything after that is. So, I mean, Scary Movie Two's got its fans too, but um, but yeah. there's but there hasn't been any even in like yeah even when Zucker comes back and does some of these movies like superhero movie and uh and I'm a big fan of basketball but that's not really a parody of anything yeah, it's just no. a it's just a goofy movie um you know uh I don't know even when Zucker comes back there's some things that are just kind of yeah. like mm. and I think it's weird too I just I don't know if one is, I don't know if you could make airplane today like I just and I'm not even talking about like I'm not talking about um like there's problematic stuff or anything like right. that I'm just saying like I just think the way, because even like, like how serious just everything is now, like even like, I mean, Marvel movies and stuff, they have humor in them, but I'm just saying for the most part, like everything is tra- treated so realistically with a lot of these films now. And, and, and I, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to even think of like, what would be a parody from the last 10 years? I'm sure there's some, uh, but like something that actually got like a big release. I just, I can't think of anything. Yeah. And, and a lot of the stuff on you, you get a lot of stuff that's kind of tongue in cheek and kind of self-aware anyways, because like, mm-hmm. I guess you could like I've heard people call Scream a parody, which I think Scream is definitely has comedic comedy in it. I think it's a satire probably in, in some places. But it's that's definitely not a, not a parody. No, no, it's not. Well, I mean, those sense. are people in, a, in an actual situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's to self-aware be, to, to be a parody, to be a parody, you have to be. Yeah, taking a template from some other movies to yeah to like, and you have to be constantly 
on that ground making fun of those those movies throughout that's why i don't consider basketball one even though there are I, yeah i'm with smaller you. parodies within it uh like you know there's a parody of titanic in it and you know there's things like that parody of unsolved mysteries but there's not like a parody it's not a parody of any yeah I guess you could say it's of sports movies, but what of what sports movies really? So um, exactly, and and I think I and I think actually to get away from the realistic thing, I think what I mean to say is everything feels very self aware these days, and mm-hmm. so like because Scream really kind of maybe started that, but Scream and not that there weren't movies before that that were self aware, but Scream is super self aware of what it is, and I think that's one of the problems with state, Scary Movie. Scary Movie also has some problematic shit in it, some humor that mm-hmm. even in 1999 we should have known better. But mm-hmm. as far as like, but it's weird to watch it. And also, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One is one of these movies too that's weird to watch because the movies they're the movies they're parodying are like so self aware of what they are. It's it's mm-hmm. bizarre. Like it doesn't it just yeah, doesn't connect. Doesn't so register, I think it's harder yeah. to do that. I think like something like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Airplane. I mean, these were taken movies that were like you know serious movies from like the forties and fifties or whatever. And, yeah. And I just don't know that you have those kind of, I don't know. I just think it's a different era and it's just not something. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I mean, and, you know. and, and also the, the whole, the whole idea of parody got bastardized in mm-hmm. that Friedberg Seltzer era because, um, it, it, they took, they, they obviously took things they liked about airplane and yes. naked gun and all those and applied them to those movies, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like, like spread it out in a certain yeah. way or they didn't make it they, everything i could go on i could i, I don't want to make this a whole podcast about what they did wrong with those movies but, <laughs> <I know. laughs> but they didn't they, probably, they, they 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 only took the broad strokes from airplane and naked gun yeah. to make those movies so this is like this is the most times their names have been mentioned in probably 10 years so probably they, so they should probably be happy right. we got yeah. all of a sudden like date movie yeah, uh, yeah. rentals Mm-hmm. And, sure and, and, and considering drops. how dry this movie is like think about like this movie is drier even probably than airplane is and, oh no it 100 percent and, and we're, we're talking about a, an, an evolution here went from you know if we're talking about parody movies went from this to like you know epic movie where they've got like yeah. uh, ashton kutcher doing like punked uh there's like punked uh references <laughs> in those movies like uh, it's like come on man and here we just get we just get george raft flipping a yeah. coin yeah 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh that crazy george raft that crazy oh, george raft and his oh. weird backward shooting gun <laughs> oh that was crazy too mm-hmm. good god there's so many things i've completely forgotten to even talk about because there's so much shit in here as dry yeah. as it is they still they still throw a bunch of crap at you there's still a lot of absurdity for sure in it it's 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 wild it, mm-hmm. maybe i do recommend this just because it's one of those things that i can't call it good but mm-hmm. it's just it's so crazy it has to be seen to be believed and i don't even know what to compare it to like it i mean other than like we've compared we've it to about a something. million movies though i mean like that's yeah. the thing it's not any one movie you would compare yeah, it I to guess that's what i'm trying to say there's just a ton of things like i said it's a mad 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 world and yeah movies that came after it you know are certainly but anyway I think I think there were probably I think the main problem with this is they didn't have like a a, a specific vision because you have five directors you got a ton of screenplay writers accredited mm-hmm. on this then you've got actors like Peter Sellers mm-hmm. who were huh uncredited writers yeah as well. exactly exactly yeah. and then you've got Peter Sellers who's doing whatever he wants to do yep. I'm sure Wells was kind of doing whatever he wanted to do too. Wells never gets up either he's sitting down like the entire he's just at that table the entire time I think right? so I think that's right yeah and. Uh, 
you know, so I don't, it's, 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 it's insane. Like mm-hmm. it is gotta be the weirdest Bond film we're going to talk is, about. It is easily, easily the, the weirdest Even one. though dumber things happen in other ones. Yeah. This is the weirdest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt of that. So real quick, we'll go ahead and we'll do our rankings for, uh, for this film. Um, we rank in five different categories. If this is your first time listening, our scale is based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred. So we are ranking from one to five martinis. Five being the best damn mm. liquid that has ever passed your lips. And one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Uh, yeah, so our first uh, section that we rate is just, you know, overall feeling towards the movie, like what we've been talking about. Like between, what would you give that? There are enough things in this that drag it out of being a one. Yes. That I'm going to give it a two out of five. Yeah. Uh, uh, Like I said, that whole, that whole scene with uh, Joanna Pettit, I hope that's her, how you say (laughs) the name, that whole scene with Joanna Pettit, uh, I think that whole sequence with her is well worth watching the movie over. Uh, Then there are just a lot of like, just like, great delivered jokes in this that just go right past you if you're not paying attention so there's enough in here it's just like i wish it this might have benefited by cutting 30 minutes more out of it and just you know i'm all down for that yeah yeah i know what you're saying anyway yeah two out of five yeah i'm gonna give it a two also um i i I, this isn't one territory there's gonna be a few that are but not this one um i think there's gonna be uh but um yeah, no. I that other scene with Pettit, and maybe you did mention this, and I can't remember, but I just that whole bit where she's like seducing that guy. I can't remember who it is that she's dealing with, but she's like she's seducing that guy, but has no interest in him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I'm talking about? She plays that scene really well too. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, she's just yeah, she's great. Uh, that's unfortunate she didn't get a huge film career or at least did more than she did. But I, you know, there's nothing wrong doing television. Yeah. Uh, the Bond, which. And there's millions of bonds. <laughs> I, I, look, there's not one that stands out here no. as anything that would be higher than a one, I don't no. think. Uh, in fact, I would give zeros to a couple of them if I could. <laughs> um, uh, on, on a scale of one to five, they're all ones. The The one that I actually thought was most intriguing, and I brought that, I brought that up, the Terrence Cooper one. Yeah could have been one that w- yes. got above a one if they had followed through on his story but like it looked like they just wanted to make a joke about how they were training a bond to mm-hmm. turn down women and yeah they, and they, they didn't really do anything with him well and they definitely that was the only time they could because niven was older and was retired and all that stuff so i think that felt like the only time they could kind of because there's this whole scene like after boucher's kissing him and then she's like you know then she's like alone with him mm-hmm. and then she's making all these excuses. Like, well, hold He's like, keeps kissing her. And she's like, well, I've got to interview like five more people, you know, stuff like that. I feel like that scene's supposed to be kind of making fun of the whole ladies man aspect. To mm-hmm. me. And it's pretty good. Like it's a, it's a pretty good scene because both of them play off each other really well. And, uh, and it's just such a ridiculous scene. Cause like she comes in, I don't know if I mentioned this, we were talking about the scene earlier, but she comes in, there's like 10 dudes lined up. She mm-hmm. comes in and like a nighty, 
<laughs> like a yeah. nightgown, but like a yeah. see-through nightgown, and Something she's got like underwear that. on underneath it. Yeah, and then she just starts kissing the men. <laughs> and then when she mm-hmm. gets to when she gets to Cooper, you know, she's like everybody else just go or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. That's the one we need to train because we need to have we need to have someone who is irresistible to women, but can't, but won't sleep with the women. (laughs) And I thought that had a, that had a good chance of being something, but apparently that's just what they wanted to do with that. Just make that joke. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm one. I, I, there's, there's nothing that really other than maybe that little bit, because Niven, I, I, I just like David Niven. So Mm -hmm. like I can just watch him, but like, He's doing like a version of a character that even prior to that he had played a bunch of times and it's just not well written. So I don't think there's anything he can, I don't think it's his fault. Well, and even like, you know, the one who's, who's, you know, playing your main quote unquote bond, Peter Sellers is really not playing a bond. No, not at all. That's the thing. They're like, they're, that's the part of the story is David Niven is trying to call everybody bond in this so that it'll be confusing for people. But like. Um, but he's playing like a uh, sellers. I don't know if we even mentioned this. He's playing a guy who's good at Baccarat. That's the reason why yes. they get him. He's written yeah. a book on Baccarat. His yeah. name's like Evelyn Trimble, Trimble Evelyn yep. Trimble. And like, uh, he's written a book on Baccarat and just like the whole Superman thing, they're like, well, we're going to have to disguise you some way. And it's taking <laughs> off his glasses, which is, yeah. is, is the thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, even him, like, you know, he's, he's not really a bond in any real sense whatsoever, uh, in this and in even the, even the parts that he plays well or not, it's doesn't, yeah, it's not very good. Our next thing we rate is, uh, the villain slash henchman. I guess in this case it would be Lashif and Dr. Noah, I guess would be our villains. Yeah. I'm. I'm saying that's a one. I didn't. I didn't care I, for. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they elevate above. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Lashif is hamstrung by the mm-hmm. fact that uh, he is a character who is trying to uh, cover for his gambling debts. So mm-hmm. he's not really someone who's ever in charge of anything. Really, there's no plot that's he's really in charge of in this whole thing. And then the Doctor Noah thing is just kind of. Just that's like in. thrown in, right? Yeah, I mean, just thrown like I, in at the end. Well, uh, that's another thing. This movie is so bad. Even it's all over the place. It's part of the problem, but it doesn't even like what it does have. It doesn't structure it well. Because like you're not thinking, oh, there's going to be another villain. There's nothing in the movie that makes you think there's going to be another person behind. Right. The, except for Smirsh. Like we know Smirsh exists, but like I don't know that when he ends up being a villain, I just didn't. Although there is that yeah. one funny moment where. Uh, uh, Nevin goes towards him and runs into the glass wall that somehow he made pop up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are definitely. There's nothing interesting there. Uh, th- this is going to be a boring one to talk about, I guess. Uh, maybe we should see if the ratings on this one. Our next is the gadgets and the gizmos, which there's oddly enough there's not a ton of that. I, I'm trying. I mean, there is a cue scene, kind of, but yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's a cue scene and the but it, yeah, he does it, in fact they even the only way they the only thing they do to make fun of gadgets in this is at the very beginning mm-hmm. where uh Bond can tell what all the different like M and all them have on them already. Yeah. Like he he's like, "Oh, you're the, and you're sporting those like portable bombs or whatever." Like <laughs> he, he's he's naming so what weird. they have hidden underneath their shirts or something like that and it's 
that's the only real yeah there's a cue scene and that's it there's no point in the movie really where they use something for comedic effect so and i'm surprised because you would think that would be like an automatic like let's have some really seriously i think this has got to be a byproduct of the fact that this was was the the rights of this were owned before any bond movies were made and they didn't appear to have patterned anything after Mm -mm. any bond movie that had come out before that so it's it's really a strange movie to watch I agree. Uh, just just based on that. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I'm definitely giving the gadgets and gizmos a one because there's yeah, nothing here. Yeah. I mean, or maybe just a not ex- not available. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, the Bond song. So they don't have like an opening or they do have a song over the credits, but it's this weird thing where like I don't remember when it starts, but there's this, maybe it's with a Peter Sellers character where there's that weird song about what he's doing. Yeah. And like they play part of that over the closing credits. There was a song that's in it's in one of the scenes with Ursula Andress and it's uh I had said it earlier now I forgot what it was called. It's the Burt Bacharach it was nominated. Look of Love? Yes, Look of Love. Mm-hmm. And so that's played like kind of in the middle of the movie. It's fine. Like it's not yeah. terrible. It's not Thunderball. Mm-hmm. No. So I'd probably give it 2. Yeah, it's a, it's about a 2. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, the ratings on that one it was some of the stuff just didn't factor in because of how different this movie was so anyways all right so the last thing we have to talk about which will not be very long but uh i do want to talk a little bit about the book that this was adapted from and that is in a segment we like to call the spy who reads me reading is one of my very favorite things to do whoa i'm not reading that crap summarize it in one word now you want to talk about reading let's talk about reading how can you read this there's no pictures uh cinema sins might have taught you that books don't matter but for this segment, we're willing to concede it at least kind of does. We're going to give you the nitty gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen, what is different. And there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this. So this book is, which we'll talk about the book in more detail. Probably we talk about the 2006 uh, thing. I will say for this, I love this book. This is of the bond books I've read. This is my favorite. Mm. Um, a lot of it has to do with the way he writes the tournament. Cause it's like, I don't know anything about Baccarat. That mm-hmm. is not a game. I think maybe I've played it a couple times, like at a casino, but it was like a table version and it was like, it was, you know, dumbed down, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really completely understand the strategy in it. Cause you're just getting random cards from a shoe. I, but, I, yeah. I'm, I'm completely ignorant. I, I, yeah. there was a point where I read the rules and there's different versions of Baccarat yeah. out there. So like, I read the think rules. Of that Simpsons episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rules of Baccarat. Yeah, I read the, I read the, I read the rules on it one time, and I was sitting there going, "Well, it sounds like the main version of this game has no skill, really. It's yeah. just, it's basically like you draw two cards, and if you have a higher number, then you win." Yeah, I think I think I guess it's probably like blackjack, where the but it the, sa- but this version yeah. seems more like blackjack. Yes. Yeah, but it's that, and it kind of is that in the book too. But it's really, I like the way he writes all that in the because it's like half. It's I don't know if it's half the book, but it's I mean it's not a really long book. I don't even know if it's two hundred pages. So it's probably thirty or thirty in this pages. One, I guess in this one, like it, they decide. You know, you decide whether you want to uh, hold your mm-hmm. hold, or you want to draw one yeah. card, and I think you can go just, over. Yes, uh, if you do, if you do. Yeah, if you go so, over a certain amount, you hit Baccarat or whatever they call it, and that mm-hmm. means you've, you've uh, you know, whatever, say, they, what is it in Blackjack? It's, you've, I can't think of what they say, but I don't mm-hmm. play a lot of Blackjack either. But yes, I think that's where the strategy comes. Whether Like, A, 
whether or not you should take another card and B, play it off like you've got something more than you do. Because I know like in that last hand in the movie, he's only got a five. Mm-hmm. But the way he plays it, he gets Lashif to keep getting cards. And then, of course, Lashif mm-hmm. uh, goes over the amount. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's I like it in the book, though. I, the way he writes that whole tournament is really interesting. And I, I don't think any I don't think this or the 2006 capture that, even though 2006 is a different game, but it's mm-hmm. still the same setup. Yeah. But it really goes into a lot in the book about like what Bond is thinking and how he's strategizing, and I don't know. It's just pretty fascinating. He also well, and that's, he also that's definitely more than yeah. anything has ever done uh, with any kind of game he plays in any of these movies. You never oh, know. Yeah, like they, and we'll get into it in the uh, in the two thousand six Casino yeah. Royale. But they they make it seem like Bond is this great poker player, but you know, of course, it ends up just being ah, oh, well, I just happen to get lucky hands. Anyway, go ahead. No, I know what you're saying. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, it's like uh, it's like Bond is so good that he got a straight flush when everybody mm-hmm. else had insane hands as well. Exactly, <laughs> that they could go all in with, yep. Uh, but he does in the book, he does, he loses his money and then he gets more money from, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's Felix. I don't know that it is in the book. I can't remember. I forgot to write that down. But uh, but that happens in the 2006 version as well, where he mm-hmm. well, and I guess it does kind of in this too. Although it's real quick, they don't really. He just says, "Oh, he just says my credit's good. I'll take another 400 mm-hmm. million or whatever, 400 thousand or whatever." Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but in the book and in this movie, it is Lashif is trying to he he I can't he loses money or something, and you know Spectre, Smurf, whoever it is uh, in the book or in the movie. Uh, he has to get he has to get money back to them, and then so he decides to host this tournament, which also has some drawbacks for me because I'm like, how does how does Spectre not know he's doing it for this reason? And yeah. why? I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Maybe we'll talk mm-hmm. about that more in the 06. But that's really yeah. the only thing in this that is remotely similar to what's in the book. Uh, he is not retired uh, at the beginning of Casino Royale. In fact, he's a he's a not a young agent, but he's you know he's still an agent. He's still a mm-hmm. working agent. Uh, there is a torture scene in the book, which a version, there's a version of that, in the 2006 adaptation where Lashif is torturing him. And that's what happens in the book that Lashif is torturing him. I don't recall if it's the, if it's the thing to the nuts, but, uh, mm-hmm. but it is a torture scene. Uh, this scene is not in the movie, but it did exist in early drafts. There was a character named Jita and she was Lashif's wife. Um, and she actually ends up torturing Bond. Well, apparently, in this movie, he's got the torture device draped over his chair or something like something, that. Something, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of a a, yeah. a a callback to it or whatever. Yes, but. it did. Yeah, they do do that, but it's mm-hmm. but the, the scene itself. But it was apparently it was in this, but it was going to be like Bond somehow the the wife the Jita character in the in the in the original version of the screenplay she gets like she gets half of her face burnt off or something and it's because of bond so she mm. ends up being the one that tortures them but i don't know um i don't know if, and i couldn't even figure out if they had shot that or if that was just i think it was just in an early version and then it got taken out um cuz i saw some people that some characters that they got rid of and none of them were were that character uh we also like i said they do use baccarat in the movie that's what's in the book it's poker uh, in the 2006 version, it is interesting, as we mentioned in the behind-the-scenes part of this podcast. One of the early drafts of the script, instead of Bond, you had a poker player that mm-hmm. was pretending to be Bond or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that version, it was poker, and I think it even took place in the states. I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but 
it was somewhere. And then um, they use Smirsh in this, um, which Smirsh, of course, was the one that's in the novels up until Thunderball. Um, but Spectre started in Dr. No. And in the original drafts of this, it was Spectre. So that mm-hmm. that was something that had already, someone had already thought that up. I and it was probably while they were working on the Thunderball script. Um, so that's interesting. But then they, for whatever reason, they changed it back to Smirsh and uh, they, they don't really say why. So there's really not a lot um, to talk about as far as the adaptation goes because they really didn't use anything other than the Baccarat tournament, which is like one of the worst scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like when they actually try to be Casino Royale, it's like, it's the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> like... Yeah. <laughs> and the, and then, and also the Casino Royale title doesn't even make a lot of sense. It's yeah. just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's all because they had that the name they had like that's it's the the producers man they're like oh I got this movie I'm gonna I got this <laughs> the name of this movie yeah I'm gonna go I mean with. it's true and it's not like this isn't the first movie to take a title and then do no. its own thing with it no so I mean well it's not at least it's not the last I'm sure it's mm-hmm. not the first either but uh yep. uh this is this has happened many many times uh like if you want to although this is actually a good show but when you watch that new Perry Mason on HBO. Mm. You're mm-hmm. just like, why is this called Perry Mason? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just, it's mm-hmm. like that's that's a great example. Like, they just took that IP and then were like, but we're mm-hmm. gonna do our own like dirty, gritty mm-hmm. uh, crime show. But anyways, um, all right. So yeah, I I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was I'm really glad we decided to do this one. I thought that was a lot of fun and it was kind of mm-hmm. a departure. And and uh, and our review of this is is as all over the place as oh, the yeah. movie is. As yes. the movie is, yes. So, so if you if you're if you're looking for things to critique about our review, it's <laughs> just that it's exactly like how Casino Royale 1967 yeah. is. Like yeah. that's what we in, inadvertently did here was mm-hmm. uh, we we made a messy review out of a messy. I mean, movie. we talk about you know Jason Freeberg and Eric Seltzer, <laughs> the Wayans brothers. We talk about like uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. It went all over the place. I want to go. I want to go watch that scene now. I love that scene so much mm-hmm. where they come to rescue him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So great, so good. It's like, no man, just leave me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLoomis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath 7 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Ah, all right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you will join us again next week when we will talk about um, You Only Live Twice, which just mm-hmm. came out two months after this. So we're still going to mm-hmm. be in 1967. Uh, until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you.